Today, I'll be talking to Chris Code. He is the CTO of Dianox, and four years ago, he made a very brave choice. He decided to go all in and work full-time as a startup founder. So in this episode, you will hear some of Chris's reflections relating to this decision, and you will also learn a little bit about what he is actually doing as a CTO of a startup. And if you want to hear more personal life science journeys, meet or engage with other life science professionals, please join our LinkedIn community page where the discussion will be continuing. Enjoy. Welcome to Life Science Talent Talks. We want to build a community to inspire life science professionals through talent talks and organized events. We aim to shine a light on remarkable personalities, initially from the Copenhagen Bay area. My name is Neha Mortuza. And my name is Søren Spenabak. We will be your podcast hosts and we would like to share personal life science journeys from all the exciting startups, biotechs and farmers out there, creating a life science talent ecosystem. Hi, Chris. Hey. Hey, Swan. <laughs> Thanks for uh, for coming yeah. and spending your time with me here in my greenhouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Not so much sauna here. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so the reason for kind of inviting you here is that I think you have not the most traditional career path. You have taken the startup kind of path. And, and I think it could be very interesting for me, but also interesting for those people who might be listening, what kind of went through your head when you made the jump from academia to a, a small, uncertain startup and that whole journey there? And then I also want to hear about what you're actually doing, like what is it to be a, a CTO in a, in a startup? And so that's kind of very high level why you're here. But please, if you could just give us a brief kind of your journey from I don't know how far you want to go back. That's sure, up to sure, you yeah, and up to kind of where you're at now. So I'm Chris, I'm the CTO of uh, Dynox, and I, I guess that's uh, the journey I'm on right now. But, you know, if you go way back, I guess I started my bachelor's in Canada. I, I'm Canadian. I started uh, my bachelor's in molecular biology and biochemistry. And then classic route, I was like planning on doing medicine. I really felt like I wanted to help people or, or volunteered at hospitals. I saw, saw things like that. But there was a program in uh, Simon Fraser University called Co-op Education, where you spend... I guess, 16 months doing working in a company. So you spend your summers and then you spend uh, maybe a fall semester working at a company. And so the first two summers I spent was actually at a oil refinery. So I learned about like right. uh, <laughs> uh, like petroleums and then also did all the water testing. So I did that for two summers. The first summer was doing water testing and then petroleum testing. And so I got a really good basis of like analytical skills. And then I also worked uh, part-time in a molecular biology lab trying to crystallize some proteins. And then, then the next uh, co-op experience I had was at a company called Inex Pharmaceuticals. And this really sort of opened up my mind because like a lot of people were really concentrated on genetics and uh, mm -hmm. proteins and not so many people uh, from the biochemistry route were doing lipid research. And this is a really uh, key point because You know, up to this point, I didn't really learn a lot about lipids. And this takes me all the way to now, where I'm actually doing lipid research. 
But I'd worked with uh, three cancer drugs. I think two of them are on the market. And I think one is in clinical phase three is sort of, is sort of there. And the, the idea was to put different kinds of deadly drugs like uh, cancer drugs into liposomes to make them the magic bullet getting to the, the cancer site without, uh, you know, killing the person in the meantime. So, and, you know, and the, the key point is that I saw the people who started that company, they were researchers, but they started actually several companies. And I think three of the guys on that who started the company actually designed parts of the vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine. And so, and they were one of the first group of guys to um, make uh, siRNA deliverable as well. Cool people. Yeah, really, really <laughs> exciting. So really like, and you, you look up to that and you go, oh, can I do that? And, but, you know, I had you know, just my bachelor's and I, I didn't really have sort of the, the knowledge yet to continue. So I went back. Um, but, but it sounds, it's, you called it co-op. So this was facilitated by the education that you had all these kind of company experiences. Or yeah, yeah. Cool. So it, cool. it was a really, yeah. really great experience. And then you get a like, designation on your degree that you have co-op experience. And then it helps with your future jobs and So I got really stuck on uh, going a science route rather than going to medicine. And I, I saw that I, I could help a lot more people by making a, you know, a cancer drug that could work really well. And so, so I ended up getting hired back at Inex. And then I think the, the company sort of went down for a little bit. And then they like laid off a lot of people. I went to Mexico and then I ended up applying for a Mary Curry fellowship. And I always wanted to sort of, you know, continue on learning, like just continue learning and, you know, developing myself. And I got the, the fellowship and I moved to Finland, you know, a very strange place. I had like a chance to go to France or Spain, but I'm like, oh, Finland, that's different. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of saunas, you know, it's the land of saunas and you get to. You have a sauna in every house and a really different experience. And I worked at the Biomedicum at the University of Helsinki, where I worked with, uh, you know, doctors and biophysicists, different chemists and different group of people and sort of continued developing my skills, working with liposomes, working with protein lipid interactions. And then, you know, how a lot of foreigners come to, to Denmark, do you meet a girl? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that one before, at least. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah. meet a girl, and um, you know, my girlfriend at the time, who I was living with in Finland, she wasn't Danish; she was Argentinian, and she moved to Denmark. And I, you know, I followed her, and I'm like, Denmark, okay, really, really cool, cool uh, place, really good food, you know, very different than than Finland, uh, even though it's a Nordic country. But there was a, a group in Onse at SDU where. They did membrane biophysics, and I actually had connections with those guys. So I ended up doing a, a short uh, visiting uh, scientist position at KU, then moving to SDU to do a postdoc. And around the same time, when I was a visiting scientist, I, I met you and uh, Rebels. And that's that's a really key point because, like you know, having those connections, having a lot of uh, really close connections and acquaintances within this community within Denmark, that was like super beneficial and then, and then that's where i met morton and i ended up talking with him and uh, he was a scientist at aak or project manager at aak and ended up getting a postdoc position with him and applying for an industrial uh, postdoc position 
So that was, uh, you know, getting those connections and, you know, continuing on developing uh, liposomes and the solid lipid nanoparticles, so a type of liposome, to develop that. You know, always keeping in that sort of thin red line of, like, membrane biophysics and using that, that knowledge, and then also about, like, medicine. And yeah. in this case, we were developing the satiety food product, actually. So that was, uh, that was amazing fun, and I, I learned a lot about myself, learned a lot how to plan out a lot of experiments, how to be a good researcher, work alone for, you know, <laughs> for everything, do it, do it, try to like write grants. So it was a really uh, amazing experience to, to, to learn how to do that. Cool. So after that, you then. So I continued actually working with rebels and doing lots of different workshops and always had it in my mind to potentially like, work in a business. And I've always been in this sort of on the fence uh, between academia and industry. And I'm, I'm still sort of on the fence. I still work with people at SDU and at KU and try, try to publish papers and try to continue doing basic research and applied research. Yeah. So I, I still really enjoy that because you, you get this, you know, connections in all these places and people want you to do more work. And if you're a scientist that's sort of open to trying new things, then you could just try that. So between that, I, I met uh, my co-founder, Hiram Kanjan, and it was at a, like a Venture Cup workshop where we tried to help people make companies. And I think it was going on at, for... At Rebels? At, with, with Rebels, okay, yeah. Cool. yeah. And the idea is you have an idea or look at a problem and look Ooh. at a solution. And after that workshop, uh, Hiram Kanjan uh, reached out to me and he's like, hey, do you know anybody that would like to uh, start a company. And he was looking for a uh, like pharmacist, biochemist. And he looked at me, he's like, maybe you might want to. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no, you, initial instinct uh, is no, you have a good life, you have a good salary. You kind of like want to continue that path. You're, you, you have some uncertainties, like living in a, a country where you, you might not have that safety net. Mm. And you enjoyed the research part and the getting to do new stuff, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like just, uh, you know, I'm a, a curious mind. So I, I kind of go, um, yeah, maybe I'll come to this workshop, right? You go like, what am I doing? Like, And so I, I was I was just after on nights or like, you know, after work, I would just learn some things about... Uh, Aptors, which are uh, small DNA or RNA that uh, fold into 3D structures, and then learn about different polymers. And the initial idea of the company was to diagnose things in saliva. So different uh, protein, or see if you could find different proteins or potentially different metabolites in saliva. So we started with, I think it was like hepatitis B, and then we started with vitamin D, sort of looking at a couple different things and uh, seeing if we could do that. So, so next to your postdoc work, and then when you came home, you were curious to dive or kind of explore what you could do in, in that company that wasn't started yet. Exactly, yeah, 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 cool. yeah. exactly. And and it was really just like to continue learning and like, oh, this, this is some, something different, you know, and when you start like learning something, you start reading like every single paper that is out there and you, you make a PowerPoint and then you continue just like building and you're like, wait, how did I end up here? You just <laughs> go on this path and you're like, what was yeah, going yeah. on? And I just really like that, even though there, you know, there might not be a point, but you start, sort of have that knowledge and yeah, then you yeah. get that knowledge. Yeah. yeah. So, so I continued that, continue working at AAK and then COVID hit. And uh, 
AAK had a new CEO, and you know, as any CEO wants to uh, put their mark, they ended up cutting back a lot of their staff and a lot of like projects that they're like, okay, this is not food related. This is more medicine. We're not really into that. So I ended up getting laid off. But it's you know nice to sort of rethink that. And I already had sort of this this concept of, of Dynox sort of brewing. And then I just said, okay, let's go. Let's jump right into the Shark Tank. All right. Without any kind of... That was just from one day to another? Or maybe you should yeah. lick your wounds or what it's called uh, after the layoff and then you started or...? It was like, I got the call and it was, you know, on video because of COVID, during COVID times. And, you know, and you're like, you're being this idea of, oh, you're being made redundant. And it's like a, like a shock. Then I had a walk with my co-founder and we're like, okay, is this such a bad thing? Because we have this thing going. So they're like, no, no, okay, let's just, let's just do it. And so we just did it, started working there full time, started developing the things we were developing. And yeah, yeah. please introduce yeah, uh, Dynox as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, <laughs> with any company, you start start in some direction, and then you sort of go and maybe uh, pivot in different, some different ways. So, so initially, we started with hepatitis B, and then we also got uh, grants for COVID from the Innovation Fund, and we developed a product that can change color when in contact with the antigen. So like the COVID-19 spike protein mm. or a hep uh, the hepatitis B surface antigen. Mm. So we actually developed two products and it, it actually changes from blue to red when it's in contact with these two. So we continued developing that and we had with some polymers and uh, aptamers and uh, as such. And then we saw that there's potential need for this on the market and we had We had initial study, initial research that this could work in, I think, June 2020. So we're like, okay, could we actually develop this? But then you're like, the market risk is very high because there's a lot of other people there. And we also had some technical risks to see if it uh, could work. So we, we just continued developing it up to a point and we're, st we're still doing some st uh, research on this and I've talked with uh, some researchers from Aarhus University and we sort of have a, a small collaboration there and then when we had a pivot and Hiram's, Hiram's background is more in he's done sales he's done uh, manage, like management consulting at Deloitte you know he was sort of sitting on the, the sidelines for a long time so he's like I really want to sell I really want to sell something. So, <laughs> and he's, you know, he's an amazing marketer. He's, he's really good at promoting himself and the company. It was really like, okay, let's, let's see what we could do. And then we started uh, doing a couple different things. We have started looking at like disease, like all the diseases that we could possibly look at using uh, different kinds of diagnostics or yeah, different kinds of diagnostics, yeah, yeah. but like you could use NGS, you could use uh, oh, yeah. a number of different types and um, anything that you could get from saliva. So we focused on saliva and the, the oral cavity as opposed to blood. So we saw that when people do the COVID-19 test, they do uh, like a nasal swab. Mm -hmm. And they were pretty okay with, with doing that. If they had to draw blood, just you wouldn't see people going out to bars and getting blood drawn you know, every second day or every fifth day or whatever. It would not be a really good test to do that. So a nasal swab, people would okay with their or a throat swab. So we looked at uh, a lot of different viruses, you know, childhood diseases, everything from, yeah, childhood diseases, tropical diseases, 
respiratory diseases and so okay that we actually have a lot that we could work with and sort of going back to you know step one and like okay what what to do and then we also like mapped out all the different vitamins and hormones that we could test with in saliva and we found we can test a lot of vitamins and hormones and those vitamins and hormones relate to the blood metabolites okay so you've done a okay you can read that in papers, or oh, you found it. Yeah, yeah, found we found, we found a, a lot of papers yeah, uh, doing right. this. It's just that blood diagnostics have been sort of the common thing uh, that people do it, and just uh, the hospitals are set up for doing more blood diagnostics rather than saliva diagnostics. Mm-hmm. So, so we saw this gap, especially in the Danish uh, healthcare market, in places like uh, South Korea and Thailand and Romania and Poland. They have a very different system set up for medicine. Rather than having symptoms, they do like a health screen and you go to your doctor. Like you do with the car every second year, you get a service check. Of exactly. The and, uh, yeah, 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 basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's, it's funny because like, you, know, you have a car and you could go to the, the auto shop and get that check. But your body, like people don't go, I haven't been to the doctor in years. I probably have like something a little bit small that... Over time, it could become chronic, but we don't know that. And we take, you know, vitamins all the time. We try to run, we work out, but we have no idea where where on that scale we are. And Dinox saw this and saw the market potential for that. And we made Tell, and it's a test that you could take. You basically spin in a tube, put five milliliters of spin in a tube in the morning and then send it back to us. And... We measure the vitamins and hormones, and we look at that over over different time points. And we say, okay, you have a specific levels of this, and you're really high in this, and you have really low uh, concentration in this. And you can also see the ratios between specific hormone ratios, for example, or specific vitamin ratios that maybe you're a bit off. And then the idea is that we could add dietitians or doctors to consult with the person to say, okay, you should be having more of this, or maybe you should actually go to your doctor and get a, you know, a full screen because these levels are, are a little bit off. Yeah, yeah. So helping with the neck, that's fine. I'm off in whatever hormone, but as a layman, I would have no clue what to do about that. Uh. <laughs> exactly. I don't know if you've gone to your doctor to get a hormone test, but we tried it. And the idea is that you get this sheet and the doctor say, okay, that's good. And, but he won't tell you, even if you have something a little bit low, he won't tell you, okay, maybe you should try this. It's not as common. Uh, they have broad ranges? Like and the, they have very uh, broad ranges. Okay. That, so it's normal from... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. yeah. yeah, cool. And then when we were doing like user studies, we talked with people uh, from Denmark that said, yeah, I have to go. I, I went to Thailand and they diagnosed me with this. Or I went to Singapore and they diagnosed me with this. They did a whole screen when they, were, uh, they went to the hospital. And they were actually living with a hormone disease. Yeah, yeah. All right. And they're like, yeah, I was living with this thing and it came in cycles. You know, it came in, it stopped in the summer and then came back in the winter. And I wasn't sure what, what this was about. Uh, and we think that this level is low. Maybe if you tried this, you could fix it. Cool. And you just launched it. Yeah. The, the product. So it, it's real. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so we had to go and get a CE mark. We got a C mark and did uh, quality management systems before we could launch, and then now we're getting our first customers and people are talking about it. We're putting on social media and 
So it was really exciting times. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. So now your your co-founder can also get to work. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 see, um, yeah. Thanks for for that introduction. I just want to go a little bit back before I yeah. ask about what you're actually doing in yeah. your your job because I think like the layoff from AK and then you had this side hustle if we could yeah. call that yeah. like from my perspective it's still kind of a, a quite brave move that that you know it is a really high uncertainty there's like you didn't even know what you should like it was like vague plans mm -hmm. or that's my understanding of yeah. what you're telling did you have have any second thoughts in kind of because it has it's a while ago also right yeah. you've been uh, bootstrapping or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah I, for a I, while You know, I think the, one of the reasons why we haven't had second thoughts is because, you know, I, I was just secure in, in most of my life and I had really supportive uh, girlfriend and a really supportive family. And like, yeah, just go with it. My sister is also an entrepreneur and my brother also is an entrepreneur. My sister does, uh, she has a company called uh, Green Mustache in, in Canada. And so she runs a juice shop and then does some other things on the side. And then my brother, he's a director. So he, he's actually directing a short film right now. I saw them and like, oh, I should, I should do something too. <laughs> yeah. You need to take some risk as well. Yeah, Those, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So one of the reasons that's kind of something you have been brought up with and you are kind of, you're surrounded by yeah. maybe mentality wise or yeah. You're not super risk averse, at least. No, I, yeah. I don't think so. I mean, if you have the chance to move abroad, then you see the risks of moving abroad and starting something fresh. Yeah. And then doing that twice, that's just crazy. And doing that three times, that's <laughs> absurd. So you just learn how to mitigate the, the, those risks. And then I just had a really good uh, relationship with my co-founder. I mean, you know, we, we talked yesterday, like, you know, I could count on, like our hand where we had tension between us. Mm, and that's really difficult to, to find that sort of relationship. And we didn't know each other before. And we just sort of, we went to China together. We like, we're going to Japan in a couple of weeks. We just found, oh, you know, this is a really good relationship that we have. And I, I think that's why I sort of decided to, to do this uh, sort of very risky thing. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because I guess in the beginning, you had like did you run without any salary so sugar mama at home would uh, finance the <laughs> the trips to netto and <laughs> yeah yeah yes yeah, something I, i mean i i saved a lot of money those i saved a lot of money when i was working at my jobs and i mean between the jobs and the the company mm -hmm. uh, there wasn't a lot of the gap between when we had uh, money like from the innovation foundation and the other grants so so it allowed easier transition So because you have had had it as a side hustle yeah. for a period of time, then timing-wise, it was mature enough to to the stage where you could have some, I don't know, it was proof of concept or some at least some concepts that, that you could convince uh, the Innovation Foundation to sponsor or yeah. to fund. Yeah, exactly. okay. So, you know, I learned, I've applied for many grants in the past and I've yes. gotten some and haven't gotten others, but yeah. I've learned to live by this phrase, like it's either feast or famine. You either have too much money or you don't have any. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you end up learning how to save and learning how to work in a way that you don't need to, to use a lot of money. 
that makes sense. But it also, I guess, the, because being in academia is all about getting funding. So those competences you could apply in a commercial uh, sense as, as well. So okay, that so you had funding within the first half year or two weeks or what was. Yeah, so was that, I mean, uh, we, we continually get get funding. Yeah, we, but the, just oh. the initial uh, kind of injection from the Innovation Foundation. Uh, how f- yeah, so how far was it? It was, um, I think, it was within the first uh, couple months. Oh, yeah, okay. so it was it wasn't too too bad, yeah. and so then we got this initial funding, and yeah, the, the competencies are very overlapping. Like yeah. you, you write grants the same way as if you were to write uh, for academia. And you write papers the same way. You know, a, a lot of the things are overlapping. The The research is the same, except it's, it's more direct. You can't go off on tangents and things. So. Cool. So actually, because that I think that could be a fear for many who are considering to make that leap of faith. If they have, you know, they have a mortgage or they have, you know. But it sounds like it was not at a long time that you needed to be probably went down salary wise but you could kind of live from the funding you got from then and until or have there been a kind of a longer period where you had to kind of pause all the the financial stuff being sent from the company to you yeah when you look at that risk we didn't really think too much about that you know it's, it's always ongoing you will always have this even if we're a big company you always have to find a budget for different things but I think it's encouraging to hear also for that, that if you have some Ascong project, you can actually, you know, you don't need to wait four years until hey, you exactly. get your first paycheck. Yeah. That, that, that makes a difference for, for many people, uh, I think, in terms of how big does your savings, how much money do you need to have in the, in the bank? Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, you know, surprisingly little. I mean, yeah. you know, I have, a, I have a mortgage and, you know, I pay it every month, uh, as you should. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And it's surprisingly little what you what you could restrict. I mean, you don't have to have, you know, all these uh, Netflix and different things. And you can sort of, it's really about sort of the overall goal. And I think for for that, I saw that we could bring something on the market that's really cool, that's not present on the market and, and other things and do good research still. Even though we're outside of academia, we're still working with academia. And then secondly, career-wise... You know, if we fail, my career is just that much better because I know how to run these projects. So if I went to a bigger company, it's a really good incentive for that company to hire me because mm-hmm. they're like, okay, this guy knows how to manage the team, manage complexity, write grants, develop things, develop people. Nice. Interesting. Thanks for sharing those thoughts. I think it could be interesting to hear, like, now your your title is Chief Technology Officer. And I think... That's nonsense for many of the people. Like, what do you do? And this is probably your tasks are not the same each week, I could imagine. But if you could share a little bit about like the very early phase, like what were your kind of core tasks? What did you spend most time on? And maybe share a little bit about now. So the chief technology officer, you know, we had to just make these titles, but sort of like a mixture between like all the technology in the, the company and then also the science officer because we don't have a science officer. So it's just maybe setting the direction of, of the science and talking with other researchers, you know, building the lab up. We have a CPH Labs, which is an amazing setup in Denmark and in Europe to have small companies come there to develop products. 
And so initially talking with them and developing the lab, doing, doing all that, hiring people, training them, training different, different researchers. And initially we started just writing grants and, you know, just writing grants and contacting researchers, uh, trying to uh, develop the thing and then planning the first experiments. That was the initial phase. Yeah, but you also need to conduct the experiments at that point and, in time. And conduct yeah. experiments, yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. yeah, yeah Planning yeah. and conducting and then yeah. you just uh, go ahead and then see what works and what doesn't. And the big risk of starting a project in in a small lab is you have to yeah, be creative on like you have a tool that you would normally have in like an academic lab yeah. that you could find but you don't have that tool here how can you either make that tool or find it or borrow you know, it, borrow uh, it yeah. you know yeah. all these things okay, so, you, yeah. so you have to do a lot of uh, that, that grunt work and I think in academia I was always the guy who uh, would go up and down the floors and like try to find different tools and also different people and then connect those people and everyone's like how do you know that guy I'm like, oh, I just went downstairs and asked if I could borrow this. And they're like, yeah, sure. And they're like, yeah, we have to fly to Germany to use the same tool. I'm like, yeah. no, it's on the third floor. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, so yeah. I was doing yeah. that already. And, yeah. and it, you know, a lot of those skills, I had like a lot of those like interpersonal skills that I just transferred from academia to here. But I guess it's a little bit also slower and maybe a little bit frustrating when you're used to being in a, in a lab where you can just go down to the third floor and suddenly you are kind of how can we do this yeah, in a creative yeah. way? And uh, yeah, yeah, very interesting. So, so that was the beginning grant writing and like the tasks were not that dif- different from where you came from in academia. That's basically also doing experiments, writing grants. Or what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty much the same. Pretty uh, much the yeah, same, yeah. 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 So a lot of transferability. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, cool, cool. So what about now you're, the company has developed, you are focusing on at least till right now or has been for a while until you you made the product and maybe you have other things going on but what are your your tasks now yeah i mean i mean yesterday i was cleaning up the lab and uh, throwing out things and organizing things you end up doing a lot of different different things so i'm still planning experiments i still have uh, some students i'm training and writing papers i was writing a paper yesterday i'm doing a presentation uh, for, uh, of the company in front of a bunch of students from dis and it's always so so different, and and then just promoting tell, yeah. you know, they're just putting that on social media, telling people people about this product, looking at what we could do more. So and then I think we we're always applying for grants. So we, we sometimes we have a deadline, and we just go, okay, we have to drop everything and just go yeah. for that. Yeah. How many s- students or people who are kind of associated with? with you and the stuff that you're doing in the lab? Right now we have two students. So one, I'm training a bachelor student and she just, uh, she's doing her bachelor project with us. And then I have another student doing different machine learning stuff. So those are the people I'm associated with. But we had a, a sort of regular different students who we trained and they've been very appreciative of this different kind of environment. How is it different if you compare it to academic labs are? Very different, I know that. But but compared to writing a project in the academic setting, what can you can you offer there? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of similarities as we talked about, but I think they could see that the final product is something that could be deliverable in society. So rather than just a a paper, 
So a lot of times you, you go, you finish your project and then you publish paper, hopefully. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and maybe, <laughs> if you're lucky. Yeah. And they could see sort of the end goal that, you know, we're working on this thing and this could potentially go into the, the final product. So we've had students where they uh, developed a chatbot and then we yeah. put that on our website. And we have other students who are developing something for the, like the, the background for the science for the product, and we put that into the product. And so make them write patents and stuff. So we give them a lot of independence. In, depending on the lab that you work in in academia, sometimes you don't get as much of it, that yeah. independence. Yeah. So that's so a lot of, actually also a lot of responsibility. And then they just, what ends up happening is they end up, learning about the other companies in the CPH labs and going, oh, this is really great. No, this is so different. And we very much promote this, this kind of activity. So if there's someone about to do a bachelor degree or a master project and they should reach out or... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just you, they could contact me uh, yeah. at chris cool. at dynox.com. Cool. And yeah. yeah, so we have like bachelors, masters, PhDs that... and. I can only train, uh, supervise the, the bachelors and co-supervise the master students and just have projects with the PhDs. So, Thanks for, for that. I think that's quite insightful about, you know, because the title is like, what is it and how much commercial stuff is there? But I think it's like the CTO role is also, you know, if you take another company, it's different. So this is your experience. But I think it could be really interesting also to... I think you've shared some of it already, but some of your, what are your kind of very favorite tasks? What do you enjoy most about your, your current role? Yeah, I think it's still the science and learning yeah. a lot about the science and developing the science and going into the lab to do experiments. That, that's exciting. And then training the students to do the experiments as well. I didn't realize this would be as exciting. You're like, oh, I have this idea. And then they come back with something even better than, you proposed also oh, the, the, the ping pong uh, part there where yeah, yeah, and, yeah and they're they're much better they're like wow you're only a bachelor student but you're super smart okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or, you're, cool. yeah, or then they go back to their labs like the phd student we had she went back to her lab and really appreciated the time because she learned a lot of uh, yeah, yeah. different different skills that were there so i really like training people and having them develop themselves and and i think just learning about the science is you know always just a curious mind yeah going, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. going in. yeah it, it sounds like it's like some people play the guitar when saturday morning when they have time off you yeah. you you are kind of i haven't had time to read this paper i want to read it or yeah, uh, exactly like, like that so it's it's kind of a hobby merging with professional life in a way like yeah. the learning part exactly yeah. exactly it, it probably goes beyond research i could imagine the the learning stuff oh, <laughs> oh curiosity oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah, yeah, no, yeah. You know, i have a just like list of papers that i that i read and like is something completely completely <laughs> out there and yeah but I've, it's fantastic yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but that i think that also makes you an excellent research without i haven't worked with you in that setting but that's that's just a, a, an excellent trait to have to be that curious person because then you can also connect dots that other people i mean if you look beyond your own small kind of uh, area of expertise you can draw in a lot of you can do some yeah something yeah, really yeah. Nice. no I, abs yeah. absolutely yeah. and cool. we always have to think a little bit different to be successful yeah. especially in industry and you use some of the same 
tools and stuff, but thinking a little bit differently, marketing it a bit differently to find that, that niche. Yeah, cool. Thanks for sharing. Very interesting to hear. Uh, very inspiring, actually. And then we, if we talk about the other part, which is not your favorite yeah. task, because we all have tasks that I don't know if hate is the right word, but that you really don't enjoy doing <laughs> in your career. Yeah, role. yeah. I, I mean, I, I could think of one. Uh, I was uh, putting the references in the paper yesterday. Yes. And that task is so tedious. And I mean, even though I enjoy reading papers, like finding a particular reference or in one single paper that's very obscure and trying to put that into the, the The whole paper I like writing, but just when you have to publish, sometimes you're like, oh, you know, you have to really dot the I's and cross the T's and making sure everything's so perfect. And I think my mind is more the curious uh, and then putting this more analytical deep dive into that, those small tasks. Yeah. I find Details, it, maybe. Yeah, the yeah, details. Yeah, yeah, I find yeah. it really uh, a little bit uh, draining. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah. The, the, you... you in a project you enjoy the kind of getting the ideas and learning yeah. and connecting the dots and then you know when it's time to deliver or time to to finish yeah. that's maybe not where like it's nice to get it done yeah but <laughs> the yeah. final phase is not fun yeah. i kind of wish there was like another person that could just do that extra <laughs> extra stuff like you, you, when you have a patent uh, like you, you did where a patent attorney or yeah, yeah. and like i could write a patent and then i give it to you and then you just like do all the detail extra detail work that i'm like yeah. okay i don't want to do that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. cool so that's maybe gonna be your your next student who really thrives with the making the things perfect <laughs> yeah I, ho i hope so i hope so that'd be that'd be uh, great could uh, be a good uh, yeah good complimentary yeah, yeah, yeah. System, cool. yeah very nice thanks for for sharing it i think that resonates with not all people but many people at least and then here a final question which is quite quite open i would like to invite you to share something with the community that you have on on your mind or is relevant for dianox or advice or mm, yeah, uh, it's, it's a pretty open question yeah yeah, yeah i mean we're on, on almost on the 10 year anniversary of uh rebels yes. and that that is amazing and the work that you put in the work that i put in and all the other people who put into this community the initial concept i, I think jonas uh, said it best that the initial idea was that we were tired of seeing sort of old gray-haired professors start companies we want some young blood and yeah. i think that we have achieved that at least in some some point with cph labs you see a lot of younger guys going i want to do this And I think that a really good place after you've you know finished your master's or your PhD, where you could actually go, hey, maybe this is a, a good path because you might learn a lot more and you might you know develop yourself in a completely different way than if you were just to take a job at a big company where you're a little you're a little cog in a big machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how it normally yeah. is, at least. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I think that that's pretty much the one of the points. And then I think persist in the thing that you love. I loved lipids and biomembranes and fats. So I continued in that direction, even though I didn't really see the, you know, the final goal. It's like this ship, you're, you're going, planning on going there. You're not sure what's on land, but you're still going there. And you kind of drift in different ways, but in the end, hopefully you'll find a new island and maybe there's lots of gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, yeah, cool. Yeah. And the last thing is, you know be humble 
I'm not really good at self-promotion. I can promote the product and the company, but uh, for myself, I'm just like, okay, yeah, I, li I like doing what I'm doing and I'll just persistently do that. But I'm just like humble, I try to be yeah, humble yeah. in that uh, cool. regard. So, Thanks for, for that. I, I have a follow-up question to the yeah. first power yeah. point about, you know, considering this startup experience instead of just taking a job in a company. Is that journey for everyone, you think? No, I think you have to have some passion to release something, have something go on the market that wasn't there. You see a place where you want, like this cup, you want this cup like to be on the market or a particular yeah, yeah. type yeah. of a ceramic or whatever. And you're like, okay, that's not there. And could we actually do something about that? And you know, people like like Elon Musk or, or people like this have said, okay, let's let's try this. We could actually build that thing and then you see Teslas everywhere. And there's so many ideas. So you have to have that sort of idea in mind, but you also have to say, okay, I don't really care what everybody says. I can I kind of just can, can do it. Mm. I don't think it's for everybody. I think that you have to you know, have... You know, that support group and just really good people around you overall, like good co-founders and other other people in the community to build that. And I think people are very fearful of trying that because yeah. they're, they see the route that a lot of people take. Okay, go into academia, try to become a professor. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stop there, go to a big company. And they, they see that route a lot of other people have taken. And uh, they, this is not the most common route to do. But I, I think there's a lot of similarities, as we talked about, that it's not that much different. And if you find that you have that, like this itch that you want to put something on the market that was never there, And you want to see that available to people. And I think that's a really good uh, starting point. Maybe with a, a pinch of uh, risk appetite yep. and a pinch of uh, adaptiveness. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, like in regards to risk, it's, I believe it's also you know, risky to, in some manner, to join a big company and then know that in five years they might go and lay off people. So, and then you don't have any personal attributes to yourself so you haven't published any papers you haven't written any grants you haven't you know developed yourself in the same way i i have done in the, the last three and a half years so i i think that is also quite risky when you yeah. when you look at the two things and i and i felt that i wanted to be in you know the first group the startup group rather than the second group Thank you very much i think it has been super exciting to hear all your your reflections and i hope that it can inspire or at least open the horizon for some of the people listening to just think twice before jumping, making that jump to that big corporate thing where you'll be that tiny cock in the big machine. A lot of people don't realize that, like August Crow, he started with a small lab, started with this idea that they needed insulin to the European population. You know, if he didn't do that, we wouldn't have Novo Nordisk. So it has to start somewhere. And and we have to have more of those you know, risk takers or people that want to put something like insulin out into the you know into the broader world. Yeah, I completely agree yeah. with you. So thank you very much, Chris, for uh, all your inspiration. And yeah, I hope it has been uh, a fun time for you as well. It's very fun, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very fun to reflect on these things and yeah. very good, good questions. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Cool. <laughs> Cut. Cut, <yeah. laughs>
Thanks for listening to Life Science Talent Talks. Hope this has inspired you. If so, we encourage you to join us on our LinkedIn group, where you can help shape the life science talent community and continue the discussion. Please see all the relevant links in the description. Bye.